When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. At Baker's, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself. Because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Baker's. Baker's, fresh for everyone. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at bakersplus.com slash boost. It's the bluest room in town. Yeah, they're actually funny. Everybody's doing well. Uh, not nice outside. Uh, it is these nights, Mike Diasha, where it's rain, wind, that I really miss going to Goodison Park. How about you? I mean, yeah, kind of a bit. No, <laughs> no, no, I don't. Like, not on the windy, rainy nights where you've got to trudge and waddle all your way up and get past everyone and everyone's just damp and uncomfortable. Now, nah, give me give me the summer days and then I'll be, I'll be sold on it again. Right now, I'm comfortable with just being sat inside. I quite like it. Yeah, very much tongue-in-cheek there, of course. Adam Sutton's also joining us. What about you, mate? Would you fancy throwing your winter coat on tonight and braving that for a, for a midweek game against Burnley or something like that? To be fair, I'd, I'd probably do about anything just to be in some form of pub or, um, yeah, boozing before the game. Uh, as you can maybe hear, living back at my dad's for a little bit, um, I've got nieces, dogs... Sisters, girlfriends, everyone <laughs> seems to arrive uh, bang on six o'clock. So, um, yeah, walking up to the ground, getting shoulder barged by old men and um, whatever would, we, yeah, it sounds pretty good actually, if anything. Yeah, uh, we will talk about the, the Chelsea game a little bit. Uh, before we move on to Burnley and what's going to be coming up over the next few weeks for Everton, uh, potentially a big few weeks, isn't it? Obviously, the 
things we should be winning in the Premier League, could say, and the FA Cup against Manchester City as well to get the lads' thoughts on how do you want to see Everton play in those games. Maybe we need a bit of a change of emphasis more than anything. But I, I did want to start actually, Mike, by speaking about going back to the game and you know it's obviously edging closer now there's been more reports about the Premier League pushing the last two weeks back so the fans can be in, in the stadium um, vaccines obviously being rolled out it feels like well, we are edging closer we all hope to, to normality I just wanted to get the floor to you guys before we move on about how you feel about potentially going back to football because I did a feature last weekend with, with Johnny Phillips on Sky about away matches and, and how that might be but I think it's it's not something I really thought about the prospect of being inside Goodison Park with you know ten thousand people, twenty thousand people, up to forty thousand people again. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Is it something that excites you? Are you still apprehensive about it all, or or what? I think it's all boiling down to one thing, and that is Newcastle going away to Fulham on the very last day of the season <laughs> and getting relegated by the politest crowd in the entire league. That's what's gonna happen in it. Like we we know, like that's that's completely what's gonna happen. Um, do you know what? It's just it's a nice positive step, as you say, with the vaccine rollout and the idea of actual sensible policies in place. Um, I actually do feel sort of weirdly positive about it. I think as you look forward towards um May and June, you've got to be slightly apprehensive about what because we all know things can change between now and then, and best laid plans and all that. But um. Do you know what? It would just be lovely to be able to just sit inside Goodison and not feel incredibly uncomfortable with people around you, which uh, we're probably a way off it, yeah, who knows? But if we can take those first few steps before the end of the season, then that'd be excellent. If we can't and we've got to wait, if it's sensible to wait, fine. I'm quite happy to wait. And I don't think it needs to be rushed forward to purposely make sure that all happens. If it's not quite ready, it's not quite ready and it shouldn't be happening. But if everyone's in a place where majority of people have had the vaccines and things are looking up and rates are dead, dead low, then why not? Be lovely. But yeah, as long as Newcastle get relegated by a polite Fulham crowd, I'm all for it. Is that where you are as well? Everything's fine as long as Newcastle get relegated by Fulham. Yeah, exactly that, actually. <laughs> um, I just think from a go-in-the-game point of view, and I've said it before, I think a lot of people feel the same way. Sometimes the footy comes secondary to just the experience Um and if it is, I don't know, reduced capacity or one in, one out in the pub, uh, I don't really mind, actually. I think getting to that time of the year anyway, hopefully the weather will have turned and yeah, we can all just enjoy, as I say, a little bit of normality and being able to, to know, see mates that you don't really see very often, your footy mates almost, yeah. your dad's mate or you know, a few of the lads I've gone the game with for years who you sit by or you see downstairs at half time. And yeah, I just think that'll be really nice and, yeah, just having the chance to see some of these players we haven't had the pleasure of seeing all season. Um, I, for a fact, know I will never see James Rodriguez play football just, <laughs> just because he played for Everton for a bit and it'll be that one thing that everyone says never got to see. Even those who got to go in December didn't see him play because he had a month off or, well... Yeah, he had a month off. <laughs> he had um, Christmas off, yeah. Yeah, so if, if, when it gets warmer, hopefully he gets happier. Um, so we could time it just right, actually. Yeah, I think that, that that's a great point, actually, about people you, you see at the match. Who, like, there's people like, I got mates from school who like, went to the match with and kept in touch with, and you, know, you see them there, you speak to them every fortnight, and you make other plans away from the footy on the back of seeing them 
in person. And there's been a lot of people like that who, you know, you've just not really seen for for over a year now. It's it's absolutely mad. But I think it, it, it also feels important. And I was thinking about this today in regards to the stadium. And, you know, I was speaking to, to Natalie Bromley previewing the game about... Um, on Saturday against Burnley, and she was sort of saying that she's not been to Goodison Park, and she's she's desperate to to get get there before it goes. And it's it's sort of made me think, Mike, that you know it's we haven't we haven't got long long left now. Have we? You know, fans are thinking we need to get into the stadium to experience it before it, we eventually move on. And I suppose every time we go there now, it's going to be we've only got fifty games left here, forty games left here, whatever it is. It's, uh, it's we're on the countdown, I suppose, aren't we? In that sense. Yeah, yeah, finally sort of on the countdown. It took took us long enough to get here, I'll tell you that. But um, yeah, I think the penny will drop when we actually do start trickling back into the ground. Is Especially when away fans start coming out with things like that. It's like, oh God, we've got to see this place before it does go like it is some ancient relic and it's not going to be there forever. Because I think it's something that we've thought about for so long is just the prospect of not being there that we've kind of taken for granted that there'll be a point where we aren't there and we've just sort of accepted it as a formality, and we've avoided the th- actual thought and the realist thought that as soon as it gets okayed, the pain's going to drop with people where it'll be like, okay, we do actually have to leave. Like, they'll, they'll, I know there's going to be a nice part when we're in the new place, but there's going to be a horrible part where we actually have to do the leaving. Yeah, uh, as people who watch us on YouTube will be able to see, uh, Dave Downey has joined us now, making his grand late entrance as ever to this podcast. Dave, you had a busy day, mate, yeah? Oh, is he there? This is cracking. Dave, are you there? Oh, yeah. Dave. I've, uh, I've been shocked the same, Matt. Some of us, uh, some of us put all hands on deck, you know, when we're in our, uh, in our elements in work. So, uh, yeah, been very, very busy day. There we go. I, I, feel, I feel like this is going to make the Mike Bassett where he's got the pina colada by the pool. Uh, <laughs> I think he's on a bit of a delay. <laughs> well, <laughs> We'll, we'll try and we'll try and come back to David a bit. I don't know if he's frozen or just doing that on purpose. I think he, he's frozen. He must have frozen because no man cannot blink for that long. Like, there you go. There uh, we, oh, oh, are we, are we, do we have Dave in real time? We might have Dave in real time. Are you there now, Dave? We got you. I've had a very, very busy day. <laughs> there you go. Brilliant. We've got Dave in real time, kind of, maybe. We'll see uh, in a bit. But, uh, yeah, Dave, we're just sort of speaking about potentially getting back to Goodison Park and, and how we all feel about that. You know, I was saying to, to the lads there, I was speaking to Natalie Bromley today for the Burnley preview, and she's saying, you know, I've got to make sure I get there next season or the season after because I've not got, you know, many more chances now. And I suppose when we do get back, we're all sort of going to be on the countdown again, aren't we, with it? Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Ever since the announcement, which was in 20. 20- Seventeen when they first announced their intention of going to Bramley Moor, I've sort of, I think that that sort of power and that inkling that you've got that you know things are running out of time and and when you see things when you walk up to the ground, it's funny, isn't it? Because obviously for for people watching this and listening to this who aren't from Liverpool, you look at the landscape of our city and I include in and around Goodison in that as well, um, and the suburbs around the city, it's completely changed. Uh, and you don't fully appreciate that when you when it's happening whilst it's right under your nose. And the city's completely different to what we'd see, what, 10 years ago, maybe? 15 years ago, Liverpool One Project and Capital Culture and all that stuff. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's funny living in such times because it rapidly evolves. And right now, I think, yeah, I mean, it is on my mind every time I do my routine before I go to the match. 
all those other places you pass, the pubs you pass, the smells, the sounds, all that stuff. Um, it stays in numbered. And I think you know, if you spend too much time thinking on it, it, it can get quite upsetting, really, when you think about that not being the norm on your match day anymore. So, yeah, absolutely. It's it, it's front and centre in my mind when I go to the game, definitely. Yeah, uh, we'll have a lot to come. Hopefully we get back in there before the end of the season. Like I said, looks like those last two games might get pushed back. And hopefully, as Mike said, that uh, Fulham do relegate Newcastle on that final day in front of fans. You know, that, that'll just cause such a... You know, there's going to be legal cases and everything on the back of that, isn't there? It's going to be great. It's going to be yeah. so much drama. Uh, that would be wonderful. But uh, just quickly move on. Like I said, we'll, we'll have a quick chat about the, the Chelsea game. Uh, obviously, Dave, you're on the, the post-match reaction. But Adam and Mike, we haven't spoken to you lads since that game yet. Um, Adam, I think from, from my point of view, it, I was sort of struck by how calm and level-headed everyone seemed on, on social media after this game. There's no real meltdowns. There's no one really kicking off to, to a degree. I think the manager said himself, it's it's no tragedy we move on. And I think everyone's just sort of accepted that while we didn't play well, it was it was always going to be a tough night against a, a side like that. What, what did you make of it? I think much of the same, really, with regards to the run we've been on since Fulham. Um, it was kind of obviously the highs of Anfield and then the grind of Southampton um, and of the other team that we beat that I can't remember. It was that boring as well. <laughs> uh, West Brom. Um, what were you going to say, Liverpool uh, then? <laughs> <laughs> that definitely wasn't boring. Um, but I think with, with regards to, to Chelsea, we, we kind of knew what we were getting from Everton almost before the team was announced. I think there was murmurs around the club and around the fan base that was... We were low um, on numbers and it was just maybe that bridge too far, um, forgive the pun, um, mm. Stamford Bridge too far. Uh, I think with, with regards to them, they're on a bit of a collision course at the moment to just totally turn their season around, whereas our season hasn't had that. It's had the peaks and troughs of any season that Everton have had, but we're kind of starting to deal with those troughs due to the nature of Ancelotti almost because he has that ability to go, when we're winning, don't get too ahead of ourselves. And when we're losing, we're still a process. And I think hopefully Everton fans, and definitely I am, starting to maybe get less jumpy at the thought of, we've won a game, we're going to win a lot. We've lost the game, it's all falling down. It's actually, you can see by that squad that the, the mentality's hopefully shifting. But at the same time, we're a long, long way from where we need to be. And teams like Chelsea, the depth in their squad is incredible. That bench alone, you could, you could probably put... 90% who were on that bench in our first team, well, our first 11 for that game specifically. So, yeah, I think it was maybe not trying to describe it in a way that doesn't sound defeatist, but it was a game that out of the last four, if we were to lose that one, you'd probably pick that one. Mike, what did you make of it? Sometimes you get beaten by a better football team, don't you? Just... No team in the entire world of football wins every single game all the time ever. And that's the way it goes sometimes. Um, I think people forget that this was a Chelsea team that the very start of the season was tipped to be title contenders. It was only the fact that they downed tools under the previous manager that stopped them getting anywhere near that. And it, this is the classic thing that Chelsea do, isn't it? As soon as the new manager comes in, they go... Right, time to earn our um, end of year bonuses. We'll <laughs> all play really well for a bit, and then um, we'll yeah, this time next year again. Yeah, great, cracking. It's just it's Chelsea, isn't it? It's Maybe like, have a go at the Champions League. <laughs> yeah, we, we, it's it's just one of those things that they always do, and 
that team will probably finish second now because they're a good football team. They've got very, very good footballers and they've got depth to match. That's just the way it goes sometimes. And I think you're right, Matt, that the whole sort of Everton biosphere of life just didn't combust for once. And that's because they didn't do that thing that Everton did at Stamford Bridge last year, which really makes Everton combust, which is not trying. Because you can forgive them getting beaten by a good football team. You can never forgive them when they don't put in effort. That's the one thing that every footballer should do, is just put in 100% all the time. Just should be a given. Um, and Everton still did that, and they got beat. They did that against Manchester United, and they managed to get a point. Do you know what? These things, they, they come and go, and depending on the day, some days you get a point there, some days you don't. What was it? Disallowed goal and a penalty. Sometimes they go for you, sometimes they don't. I think it's just one of those. But it's showed up some glaring problems Everton are going to have for the rest of the season. Abdullah Decore is going to be an absolutely gigantic miss for however long he's going to be out for. It sounds like it'll be quite a while. And you just look at the likes of Tom Davis and you're going, bloody hell, I really hope he can step up. Granted, he was very good when he came on, but you really do hope that they'll be able to fill that midfield void because otherwise that's going to be a big problem for the end of the season. Yeah, Dave, I think of, of the four of us who were on the show on Monday after the game, you're probably the most frustrated with, with the performance. But I'll, I'll just see it now a few days on. You're still a little bit angered by the way they played? I think angry is probably the wrong word. I'm more disappointed than anything else. Not not the fact that we got beat, but even down, you know, you look at the two goals we conceded. I thought they were really poor goals to concede. When you you look at the the fact that Wolby goes to the ball, Holgate's just meandering back towards the box. Ball comes in. Godfrey can do very little else when it's hit at him in that pace. Um, I think also luck plays a part. I think I'd like to think in in recent weeks when we've been on that sort of three game winning streak and we've been able to bounce back so consistently this season from setbacks against sides we should have beat. Um, that's the type of thing that probably goes wide in one of those games, if you get what I mean. Mm. Um, and then the second goal I thought was really poor too. The gap between Keane and Godfrey and and, and just the way Havertz is... It, it was just it was so easy to see, wasn't it? I think... Quite I similar, weren't they? It's quite similar in the build, like, the build up to that goal, to the first goal and the penalty, wasn't it? That In that left-hand side, finding a gap and running behind. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the shape didn't stay steady, did it, for whatever reason. And Pickford takes Havertz down. I think it's probably the most bread and butter penalty you'll, you'll see, really. I think that's what... There'll be a, a million and one of those in the archives of any sort of uh, football goals catalogue or whatever. Um yeah, and, and I do feel, I felt a little, not, not, not sort of crestfallen that we lost the game because it was such an important match, but I, I just felt like we could have given a better account of ourselves and that's what the frustration thing, the, the frustration was for me. We could may, may well have still lost the game. We may well have lost the game by even more had we even played better. Maybe then, you know, we expose ourselves a little bit too much and Chelsea scored our third or fourth or, and it becomes a, a bit of a one-sided scoreline. As it is, it felt quite passive at times. I thought we were quite poor with the ball. I thought Richarlison was poor with the ball. Um, those fine margins, I think Carlo likes to make those games about, didn't really come to fruition other than Richarlison's effort, which I think the ball's played into probably too speedily. And then he's off balance when he takes that shot on, which was a difficult chance to convert anyway. You back the keeper to probably save any effort on goal in that regard. So, yeah, it was it was just a little bit deflating. Really, took the sort of spring out of my step after the the three wins. But then you you look at the damage it's done, and it's not too bad, is it? I mean, what are we two behind West Ham? 
sorry, one behind West Ham, is it? Mm. Um, yeah. Four behind Chelsea with a game in hand. There's, there's still a massive opportunity there for Everton. And you look at the fixtures we've got coming up, but a hell of a lot kinder than going to Stamford Bridge. So um, it's got to be a difference, Everton, I feel, Matt. The, the absence of the core, might spot on. You're putting a heavy reliance then on Tom Davis, not only to perform, but also to complete the season. Dare to say it, the elusive Fabian Delft might get some, some game time as well, uh, if he can be bothered to show up. So it, back against the wall, isn't it? And, and we've, we've seen a lot of that with Everton over the years. We've seen the sort of green shoots of it under Carlo Ancelotti when he's been forced into playing a particular team. That I don't think that'll phase him. Let's just hope that the players that are available are able to stand up and be counter because Burnley will be difficult because we'll, we'll, we'll find it hard to score past them. And that's been our problem. I think if you look at the goals for column in the Premier League, we're, we're right down there when it comes to the sides in the top half of the table. And I don't see that improving anytime soon. So, obviously, clean sheets are going to be at a premium once again. Yeah, just sort of throwing this ahead then uh, to the games we've got coming up. And like I said, you know, we've got three games in the Premier League, you'd be saying that, that Everton should win. We've got a cup game against Manchester City, which sort of takes care of itself. But we've also got every home game between now and the end of the season against is against teams below us in the, the Premier League. And look, days, right, you know, every one of them will be a challenge in itself. But it, it does feel as though Everton have sort of pivoted between different styles this season. Obviously, the start of the campaign, very free-flowing. Around Christmas, it was ultra-defensive. The last few weeks, we've been a little bit of both um, at times. It feels like now with those those home games we've got, um, with you know wins very much going to be needed if we're going to stay in this race for, for the top four, that, that it might be an ideal time to, to switch back towards a, a more attacking uh, blueprint for, for these games. If, especially as well, I think with the, the fact that we've got a week now between pretty much every game, uh, it feels like now could be the time for the manager to try and get some more you know, synchronicity, really. I don't even know that's a word. Synchronicity, I'm going with it, uh, in, into our attack and play. Yeah, I think from the way I've looked at it... Oh, have we lost Adam briefly? Just, just a little bit, yeah. Lost Adam briefly. Do, do, do you want to follow on there, Mike, and we'll get, we'll get Adam back in a sec? Yeah, absolutely. When you look at that side, it's... The, the real issue there has been that you can't actually plan a week in advance. Ancelotti said it himself. It's constantly been a case of, right, you play a game, you get a de- you get half a day's rest, and then you're back on the training ground for a couple of days at most, and then you play another game. And that cycle, it's always gonna, it's always gonna have problems. So there's always gonna be issues when you're looking at if you're looking at the actual games that haven't played, they've actually done well in those situations, but it's going to catch up with you in the end. And I think we do. We have seen that at points where Everton have just had those days where Everton will just fall apart, mostly because they will have played a game extra than the team that they're playing or et cetera, et cetera. We've just seen those sorts of issues at times. But for me, ending up back in a game every, what, six, seven days, it's perfect. Because that then, it gives Everton a chance to be right in the groove. Most of the teams that you're vying for actual European places with at the moment, they'll be playing European football at the moment. They'll have other things to play for as well. Be all sorts. So Everton have got to put themselves right in the mix in that way that Liverpool did a few years ago and just have that weekly rotation of just knowing, right, this is how we do it. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to do these steps all along the way. And whether that's playing the same team week in, week out, hopefully there's no more injuries, then maybe that's the best way to do it. But who knows? It might benefit Everton or it might not. I think from, from my point of view, the way I've looked at 
Ancelotti, especially this season. He seems to have got his philosophy across to the players in a way that we handle the bigger sides better because he's probably gone over the top with regards to, right, well, I know the squad I've got here probably isn't up to standard or the standard that he wants. Oh, we've just lost him again. Ah, right. Yeah, oh, it's really shame. That's <laughs> an interesting point. Dave, do you want to do you want to carry on? We'll, we'll get Adam to turn his camera off. I think that might be the issue. Uh, Dave, what, what what do you think about that? So you, you need to repeat the question because I I barely heard anything Adam said. Just in regards to the the way in which we're playing, uh, Adam is yeah. back now. Um... I'll try again if you'd like. Sorry, go on, mate. We'll give we'll, 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 we'll give it one more go. Otherwise, you're gonna have to turn the camera off. I think as much as okay. love looking yeah, at your your smile and face. Probably not a bad thing to turn the camera off. As I've said, I'm at my dad's and his internet. I think someone's picked the phone up and that's why I keep going off. It's that old. Um, I, just, I think from from the point of view of, of how we've played against the bigger teams and the smaller teams, so to speak, we've struggled more against those teams that maybe invite us on and allow us to play, which then does expose the quality in our squad. Whereas I think Ancelotti is very much honed in, studied, and made a point of making our team against the bigger sides harder to beat, harder to break down. And he's probably done, if you look at it in two ways, his homework on the big games to not get beat. And he's probably let the lesser teams, the teams that you feel like we should be beating, kind of sort themselves out. And he's very quickly realised that we can't sort ourselves out against those teams because the Premier League is really unforgiving and I think watching us against bigger sides, the likes of Liverpool, the likes of Chelsea, the likes of City, they allow us to do what Ancelotti will want us to do in the future. We just can't do it yet. Whereas the other sides are allowing us to do it and we still can't do it, if you know what I mean. So it's the big games have just been, as you say, very defensive, very hard to beat. And then the, the games you feel like we should be winning, we just haven't got the quality all, all across the pitch. And if you're missing one or two players, then... Yeah, it, it very quickly becomes that first three or four minutes. You just know exactly what you're getting. And the likes of Newcastle, Fulham at home, you just you just know where you're going from there. And the, the Southampton game is, is a prime example of it. If you just grind out three points, then you can go away to someone in the next couple of weeks and beat them comfortably. Or you can have, uh, I don't know, a more free-flowing game against a team that probably suits our tactics better. We just haven't got both sides of, of the coin sorted yet. It feels like it's time for us to see the third incarnation of Everton this season. It feels like that's what we'll get over the next couple of weeks. I think the Burnley game, I don't think it's, unfortunately, as much as we want it to be, I don't think it's going to be the swashbuckling, free-flowing football and win four, five, nil, one, whatever. I don't think it'll be that. I think it will be a difficult, really hard game where Everton sort of have to find a new way to win. Ancelotti's got to find a new way to win. The midfield's got to be completely changed round. Whether you play Allen a little bit further forward, Davies drops in the number six. There's going to be new connections all over the pitch. He's got to find new ideas from somewhere. And you think that you can't keep going, especially as you said, Matt, with all the home games that Everton have against teams below them. You can't keep going with that sort of focusing on defensive solidity when... Let's be honest, the last few weeks of the season, it'll be flying by the seat of your pants if you're going to get into Europe or not. And maybe it won't be decided about who keeps out the most goals. It'll be decided by who scores the most because it'll be one of them where some weeks, if Everton go through those games, actually play them the way they have been, then 
what has happened will keep happening. Some weeks it will come off for them, like against West Brom, like against Southampton, and some weeks it won't. And the weeks it won't, it doesn't look pretty and it raises absolutely loads and loads of questions. So it does feel like it's the right time for Everton to actually try and adjust again. Is that is that something that, that's concerned you, Dave? And, you know, you mentioned in regards to how poor we were on the ball on Monday night. I think it's you know it's obvious that the last few weeks when we've been getting these results that they have been founded on defensive play. They have been founded on you know as you, you put it earlier, fine margins football. It, it does feel as though if you keep playing like that, ultimately it's going to catch up catch up to you. And maybe it's uh, as Mike said, <laughs> you know we've been on the right side of it by and large over the last few weeks. Maybe we should uh, need to stop riding our luck from that point of view. Yeah, I think I think ten of our fourteen victories this season have all become have all come via one goal margins. Um, you know, it, it, people. I think Chris Wilder was saying that about Sheffield United. I think they have a similar record in terms of the games that they've lost. Um, I mean, let's face it, the, the margins aren't that fine because you'd have much more of a mixed bag if uh, if it was purely down to luck in those situations. By and large, I think we defended really well this season, and I think that'll probably be the foundation that you take this team forward with for these aspirations we've got towards the end of the season. Now, in amongst all that is a cup tie as well against Manchester City. Now, it's as one-off as it gets, really, isn't it? And I just, I do wonder if, or, or when or how quickly attention turns to that for Ancelotti by, in terms of a means of getting us into Europe this season. Um, I mean, if we don't win it ourselves, you would presume it'd be City that do. Um and that would, I think, effectively mean Europa League would go to seventh, providing they win the the, uh, the League Cup as well. Would that so, not be the, uh, the the Europa Conference? No, that would Europa for, Conference that would Farmers for, Cup, as Mike described it on one of our shows the other day. That would force the Emmerdale League to <laughs> uh, to eighth place, I think, uh, if if my maths is right. So I mean, look, essentially, if you don't, you got two shots at it. Carlos hell bent on getting us in Europe. Um, I don't think he feels we're ready for the Champions League, but by all means, he'd take it if we got in. We all would, of course, but I think you know the odds are it'll be a Europa League place if we do it. I think it'd be a crying shame if we finished any lower than seventh. Uh, I think it'd be a shame if we finished lower than sixth, because that probably means Liverpool finished above us as well. Um, but you look, at, you look at the teams we play on our run-in, the, there aren't many sides there that'll look at, perhaps Arsenal away if they're on song, but, and, and obviously City away at the final day, which we would think that's a bit of a lottery because they might well, well, they probably will have the league sewn up by then. Might be a dead rubber for them. Um, that I look at and I think this will this will take a lot of working out from Everton here. I think that sort of workmanlike structure that Ancelotti's put in place that came at the expense of the more free flowing stuff we saw at the start. I mean, my one of my favourite memories of of lockdown was sitting in what, what pub was it on Lark Lane. Um, the the Albus out the back, yeah. Yeah, after after that West Brom win, um, that's one of my best memories of lockdown. You think of Everton that day, and compare them to the Everton now that you see, uh, in, ex- even excluding the Chelsea game, it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? It's a completely different lineup, completely different setup. I do wonder how Hamez will fit into this when he comes back, um, because he was he wasn't bored to play more workmanlike football to put it politely was he? he was bought to add some flair into this side be interested to see how we cope with that I feel as if we're a side that doesn't want or is comfortable out of possession and not having as much of the ball as the opposition I think where our problem may lie is we're going to be playing opposition towards the end of this season and Burnley are one of them who equally 
aren't bothered if they don't have as much of the ball. You can see the path, the way this game is going to go against Burnley. And I think it'll be a blueprint going forward that Everton will have to try and configure and find a way of, of overcoming opposition that pretty much are trying to do the same thing we are. And I think that's where the difficulty in general has come at home this season. We've, had, we've played against side that we'd more, probably be more comfortable acting the role that they've played mm. at Goodison. And I feel as if that needs to be rectified because against Burnley, we'll have most of the ball. Now, to me, that's not typically for many teams. <laughs> I presume 99% of football fans would prefer their team to have more of the ball than the opposition. But Everton had a different case this season, aren't they? And you look at the games that Adam was talking about uh, and how we've played under Ancelotti. I'm I'm probably more more comfortable if Everton were away from home in a game like this because Burnley then have the impetus. Burnley then have, have to take the initiative and bring it to us and we're fine playing on the counter. We can't do that at Goodison. I think that's where our troubles have begun this season. He's going to have to come up with something different and let's face it, he hasn't got the most ideal of personnel to do that uh, against Burnley. And also you look at sides that are going to come to Goodison as well. I think we've still got a welcome Wolves, haven't we? Um, Palace. Palace as well, all sides that are happy or used to not playing with possession. And we're going to have to, we're, we're one of those sides, I think. We're much better at it than they are, of course. Look at our league position. But we don't seem to be comfortable when we have the ball uh, in, in excessive amounts, as we saw it against Chelsea, even in minimal amounts. So he's going to have to think of something different. And I agree with Mike, I think there's going to have to be uh, sort of a, you know, a third incarnation of this side in Trancelotti this season. Go on, Mike, we got a big point. Yeah, I think it's it's no coincidence that the last time Everton played that free-flowing swashbuckling style was away against Fulham. It's the last time Everton had their actual first choice team on the pitch. Correct. Like, 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 sometimes it is as simplistic as those sorts of things, like injuries. I know there's only one team that's been allowed to moan about about injuries this season, but injuries have played a massive part for everyone. Never are no different. Like the 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 one very pleasing thing is that Everton have actually adapted to it. Well, Carlo Ancelotti has adapted to it and he's done very, very well to adapt to it. And this it's gonna be his biggest challenge now because Abdullah Decore has been so important to the way Everton played. I think the way Tom Davies has played recently, I do think bringing him into the side, if he retains that form, Everton will qualify for Europe. If he doesn't retain that form, I don't think Everton will qualify for Europe. But if you sat here now and you told me, you went, here is the Farmer's Cup. You can have it right now. <laughs> I'd snap your hand off for it. I'd snap your hand off for the Farmer's Cup right now. I just It's one of those where Europe of any sort this season is so much progression. And I know that we're all sat here saying, you'll never have a chance like this at top four again. We said that last year. We said that the year before that. We said that the year before that. Do you know what? I'm sick of it because it comes up every single year. Because it's very rare that you get a year in which every single club in the top six is excellent. There's always at least one or two basket cases, always, every single year, because that's how football is. You don't have six continuous dynasties of excellence going on consistently. It just doesn't happen. So all the nonsense about, well, this is the best chance in we're ever going to have ever. Exactly what people said last year, just before that 2-2 against Newcastle that put us out the reckoning of Europe entirely. Those sorts of games happen to us every single year and happen to Leicester every year and happen to Wolves every year, etc., etc., etc. There is always going to be a chance to get in. 
So any step forwards now, I'll take it with both hands because that's what Everton need. They need European football. Give me the Farmers Cup and give me it now. I want to go to Lithuania. Give me it. <laughs> Mike wants to see that big Tony Soprano statue at the train station in Lithuania. Uh, he's all over it. <laughs> uh, just, just very quickly, we've had a comment there from... <laughs> we've had a comment there from... Uh, it was Steve, Steve Spencer. Uh, not happy that Fred to turn the camera off on Adam. Uh, I think Steve was the one who referenced the you know, David Beckham like looks hard after the uh, the Tottenham the Tottenham game was it? Sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying to mute, mute myself as much as possible with the dog stood outside the door going absolutely mad. Um, but yeah, I definitely don't feel like David Beckham at the moment after the couple of weeks that I've had. But nice one, Stephen. Um, Got a right foot, like him, haven't you, mate? <laughs> I'm left footed, Dave. Yeah, you have a right foot. Oh, Just, just one player they want to speak about before we uh, wrap up tonight. Uh, Mike mentioned that Fulham game there, and I think it was a game where we all thought, "Is this the start of something special for Alex Awobi as a right wing back at Everton?" Uh, hasn't quite worked out like that. Uh, Adol, I'll, I'll come to you first on this one, mate. Uh, your connection holds up. Um, he's been a bit moody this week on on Twitter as Alex um, posting after the game on on Monday about being called up for Nigeria and saying he might get an opportunity to play in his best position. Um, I don't know how much stock you put in these sorts of things. Is it just a footballer who was a bit annoyed after being subbed off in the last two games after his team got beat, just you know, having a bit of a moan on Twitter? Or is it something that we should be a little bit more concerned about and the manager won't look too kindly on? Uh, to be fair, it's previous managers, you'd probably have previous thoughts and opinions on it. Actually, I think with Ancelotti, you'd probably, for one, go, what Snapchat? And two, it just go... Well, it's it's probably a it's a privilege to, to play for Carlo Ancelotti in any capacity, really. If Alex Awobi wants to play in his preferred position, then he should start playing well every week um, and give the manager a reason to play him there. But at the same time, he's just being a bit of a divvy. But many players have asked to play in their preferred position. It's probably best done privately and not put on your Snapchat or Instagram story, whatever it was. I just think, from my point of view, yeah, just... Just say it personally. If he feels like he needs to put it out in the open, then it may become a little bit more of a problem where yeah, he feels like he's not getting through to, to Ancelotti or getting getting through to the rest of the, the team. And yeah, it's just a bit stupid, I think, and, and not needed in in such a really you know, busy and, and potentially prosperous time for the club. So get on with it, get your head down, and if you do get a chance, take it. What what is his best position? I just think Alex Iwobi is good when he hasn't got anything to think about with regards to doing too much. So his, from my point of view, and going back to that Fulham game, is he seems to maybe react to something. I say when he hasn't got something different to think about, he seems to react to not adversity, but a chance to prove himself in any capacity. So whether it is Ancelotti asking him to play right wing back, so there's probably something there that goes, right, I've never done this before. I'm going to impress. And then if he does play in central attack and midfield, he goes, well, this is what I like, so I'm going to impress. If he's just maybe named in a team sheet on the right-hand side of midfield, he goes, done this before. Can I get up for this? And, and that shouldn't be the, the way of a professional footballer, but maybe it's someone who needs to put, a, put an arm around him or ask him to do something specific 
so he can concentrate on just doing that, whether it is right wing back, whether it is playing an attacker midfield role. I think his best position, as I've said, is him running at defenders and getting a chance to, to pick out a player, whether he ever does pick out a player or whether he picks out a player more times than not is another question, but he's got pace, he's got skill, he's, he's got bags of ability. He just needs a bit of belief with it. Dave, what, what do you think? He's, he's, he's had chances, hasn't he, the last few games? And Well, he's been he's been hooked off early in both of them, hasn't he? You know, he got, he got dragged off against West Brom before the hour, same again on Monday. Um, it feels to me as though what, as one of those players who needs four or five games to really get going and, and find his feet, but because he's not quite good enough to be a, a guaranteed nailed on starter Forbes. He's never really going to get that, is he? No, it's a shame, isn't it, really? Um, because it, it did look like he turned the corner, didn't it? Um, if you look at some of those performances mid-season, that one of Fulham in particular, it, feel like, it felt like he really built up ahead of steam and he was the player we thought we bought. And then, look, I, I understand that if you, if you get a winger in your side, a genuinely top-class winger, if you get a goal or an assist from them every what, three games, maybe that's that's a top class player in that position. He's he's neither here nor there for me. He can't cross the ball, which I think is a major, major issue that he's got. Um, which you know that's obviously exposed if you'd ask to play right wing or right wing back. And I think there's an issue there. I agree with Adam that that much more of an instinctive, explosive type of style. I think he's much more suited to when he picks the ball up and there's a. There's a spontaneity about what he does. There's a there's an idea of you don't know what's going to happen next. And I think he's really good at that. He's great in tight areas. Absolutely exceptional at running down the clock in the corner flag. <laughs> but in, you need a lot more from him. He Maybe that's his be... best position. Yeah, Expert impact yeah. sub to run down, <laughs> run down yeah, time. Look, he, the, the attributes are there, I feel. I've always felt the attributes are there. I think many Arsenal fans will tell you that. The implementation of them is the thing that's been far too sporadic over his career. He's not going to get in Everton's team play number 10. Um, and, you know, rather than be professional about that, he's decided to spit his dummy out and react to it in the most immature and pedantic of ways, which is never, ever in the history of football, as far as I'm concerned, ever worked when you're sort of calling out a manager, um, albeit in the, in the quite subtle way without naming him. He basically said, look, I don't want to play where you're playing me, Carl Ancelotti. It'll be nice to play in my own position again for my country. Well, you're playing in the Premier League, which, you know, unfortunately, it's quite obvious you're not good enough to play in that 10 role for Everton. Even getting past the likes of a Sigurdsson who played there regularly, he needs to look in the mirror and ask himself a few questions. If if his, if his main bugbear of being at Everton right now is not being able to play in a natural position, have a look at who's in that position. How well are they playing? How well they have, how well have they done? And although Gilfie Sigurdsson's improved, I would say more than somewhat in recent weeks and overall in the season, if you can't oust him from a number 10 position, given how he's been for Everton in his career at the Blues, then you've got serious problems. Um, I don't like what he's done, to be honest. I think aside from it happening to Carlo Ancelotti and it being a sort of a dig at him, um, which obviously everyone's going to be outraged about because it's Carlo and we all love him and you can't do anything wrong. It's it's really unprofessional. And, and I think it's a sign of a player who probably doesn't want to be at the football club and also a player that Everton would happily get rid of. Um, I don't see him hanging about, but how much is that 30 million or whatever it was he going to recoup? It's not going to be much at all because his Everton career, he's not really done a thing, has he? 
Mike, you've always been, I think, quite a, a backer of Awobi, I think, in the past when we've been on shows and, and talked them up. But you were nodding along quite vociferously there when Dave was saying that he doesn't feel like he wants to be at the football club and we might be looking to move him on. Yeah, um, you get a vibe with Alex Awobi that he's on the periphery of things. Yeah. You don't get a vibe that he is sold on Everton. That's the vibe. Whereas you look at someone like Yerry Mina, who even when out of the team or in the same sort of situation that Wobi was, not being able to oust the defenders in front of him, was still someone who you got the vibe that he was integral within that team. He was a part of that team. He was part of that squad and a big part of it. And you don't quite get that with Alex Wobi. I think Dave is right. I think you look at the deal to bring him to the club. It was a last minute thing. Anyone tries to tell me that was not a panic buy, I'm sorry. It was. Um, it was a last-minute thing. He was not planning on leaving Arsenal. And for me, it's one of those situations where if you ask both sides if they could find a mutual solution to just divorce from each other, they probably would do. I think mm. if his biggest issue is he wants to play as a number 10, then keep going down, mate. Just keep going downwards and you'll find you'll find the, the place that you can play as a number 10 because it wasn't Arsenal. It's not Everton. Maybe it'll be Southampton. Maybe it'll be Burnley. Maybe it'll be Derby. Who knows? Yeah. Who yeah. knows what point it will be? But if that's the be all and end all for him, then fair enough. Because as Dave says, if he can't oust Gilfie Sigurdsson, I've been Gilfie Sigurdsson's biggest critic this season, but Gilfie Sigurdsson has been far more impactful on a football pitch this year than Alex Wobi has. And that's the head and tail of it. And if he can't oust him by giving it his all and actually providing impactful moments and bits, pieces of quality, because you know what? He has provided pieces of quality this season. There was a goal against Brighton really on the season that he really did some lovely, lovely movement for to pass in um, Decore, who then passes it along to think it was Hammers. Hammers, yeah. Yeah, where it was a properly lovely bit of football. And that's what I wanted to see more of from Alex Obi, as Adam said before. It's the spontaneity and the bursts of forward pace and actually taking on players because it's one thing that Everton really do lack. But you need that. And then to go with that, you need some sort of clever pass, whether it is just supplying it to someone else who can play the final pass or actually do it yourself. There needs to be more consistency to that rather than just, I'll take on two people and the ball will go out of play and then, you know, I'll trot back and might try it again, but might not. Because It's so frustrating with the world because you can see there is quality and technical ability in there. And sometimes you really do see it. The game against Fulham when he played as a right wing back, his crossing was excellent that day. His crossing was absolutely fantastic. And I was sat there going, it's nice having someone playing in that position who isn't, Seamus Coleman crossing a football and now it's a toss up between which one I'd rather have crossing the ball and that doesn't just change overnight it, to me it screams about lack of effort and lack of application and as Dave said this is the sort of thing that you do associate with that footballer where it's I'm just going to have a bit of a dig about it because I'm a bit pissed off and you know maybe I can just ruffle a few feathers and something might happen maybe I'll get him moved maybe he'll play me there who knows but it's a shame because I like Alex Awobi. I think he's a good footballer. I do think there's a place for him in this squad. I think if you play him on either wing, he does have things to offer if you put him in the right situations and the right scenarios. I think if you add him on the right wing with a genuinely good right back behind him, there would be a difference there. It's a bit of a struggle playing right wing at the moment for Everton because you either have Seamus Coleman, who's on the back end of his career, or you have Mason Holgate, who is not 
a right back and is in quite bad form at the moment. It's a struggle, I get that. But to be this frustrated and hit out in this way, I don't like it. It rubs me up the wrong way. And I think that it just gives up a vibe that you don't want to give off. You At the moment, Everton Football Club is probably the most together it's been in years. And if you want to be and cast yourself as the outsider, then it's going to go badly because the actual club itself is incredibly together at the moment. This is not a case of what, two, three years ago when it was Kevin Rallas and Morgan Stadlin having a laugh and a joke and then yeah. getting off from training early and nothing happening. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like those sorts of things, Everton are rooting that from the squad at the moment now. So if you want to replace that and be petulant and sulk and be the one who sits on the sidelines until you can go back down south, yeah. fine, but it's a shame. Dave, did you want to make a point there as well? Yeah, I was just going to say, Mike's point there about going further and further down until you find a club that gives you the desired position you want to play in. You know, I, I, I was sort of um, lacking in self-awareness, I you, to not realise that it might actually be you that's the problem. And and, and I feel that the, it, players, I think a lot of footballers are like that, to be fair to Alex Iwobi, um, in no defence of him. But when you get players coming out saying stuff like, oh, you know, I want to get played in my natural position or have a bit, a bit of a cry, a bit of a whinge in a cowardly way, which this is, by the way, um, you know, I often find myself sat there thinking, well, you're blaming everyone else. You're blaming Ancelotti for not getting a game. You, you know, you're blaming getting stuck out on the right side, possibly no support. You, you're moaning about maybe game time, being on the bench, stuff like that. Do you ever actually sit there and think the problem might actually be you, Alex? Um, because had you had you shown what you say you can do, then I'm pretty sure a manager of Ancelotti's ill wouldn't have any problem with putting you at number 10. Don't act like it's a personal thing. Don't act like an idiot. Put your head down and work, and you might get that opportunity. And chances are, he probably hasn't even approached Ancelotti to say to him, look, I want to play in this position a lot more. Um, because the, the, the way he's conducted himself in doing this would suggest he, he, he lacks that sort of awareness and and perspective on things, really. And it, it, it is, like Mike said, it's incredibly sad because... He's a talented boy, but how many how many people have we said that about Everton in the past? They've burnt bridges, not because of how good or bad they are as footballers, but because of the way they've conducted themselves as people. There's, there's two massive comparisons in this Everton squad at the moment, one of them being Ben Godfrey and the other one being Alex Wobie. Ben Godfrey has played, what, five positions maybe? You can count wing-back and, and centre-half as yep. a three and centre-half of a two. And... He's playing in his preferred position now because he's done that and hasn't moaned once. He may have said to Ancelotti, I, I prefer centre-half. He may have said in you know, Everton interviews or interviews on, on other news outlets, I do prefer playing centre-back. But I doubt that's come to any surprise to Ancelotti because he probably said that to him first and foremost. He's seen him in training. He's seen him as a, as a, a player who can play in those positions. But he's just got on with his job and he's got his just rewards. Alex Iwobi's done the total opposite, really. It's not as if he's had the career of James Rodriguez in number 10 and James Rodriguez has been stuck out on the right wing and he's gone, hang on, have you seen me playing a central attacker midfield? Someone, yeah. Ancelotti might go, oh, do you know what, yeah, do a job for us and then, yeah, I'll get you where you want to be at some stage. He may have said that to Alex Iwobi and he's, in, in recent weeks, gone, oh, I want to play number 10 or I'm not playing at all. Off you go, mate, unfortunately, because... 
just lost Adam again there, just in full flow. Uh, Mike, did you want to make one more point before we, we wrap up on that? Because I know we have run out of time. Yes, please. Um, the case study for Alex Awobi is Gilfie Sigurdsson. Gilfie Sigurdsson played his entire first year at Everton in the wrong position. Just that was that that was his year, and we've known because Gilfie has made it obvious afterwards that he was unhappy with that. But it never got to this sort of passionate stage, and he trained, showed that he was the one to actually stick around with the team. You got, obviously got rid of Wayne Rooney, got rid of Davy Clarkson. He was the one who stayed, but. That second season, that was his best season at Everton by absolutely miles. And that's got to be just what Alex Iwobi sees, is if you stick around and you actually do put in the graft, you bide your time, then do you know what? You'll get your chance because that's what happened with Gilfie. And he's in the same situation this season because one of those players who plays in the attacking midfield positions this year, probably two of them will leave whether it's Bernard, whether it's a Wobi, whether it's Gilfie Sigurdsson or the other million that we've got there, because it's not going to be James Rodriguez. You look at those players, they're going to try and move on one, maybe two of them. And Alex Wobi should be saying, well, I've got a fight on my hands here because actually Sigurdsson's not been that good this year. And if I really, really do give it a go, they've actually paid a lot of money for me here and I've got longer on to go on my contract. So they probably want to keep me anyway. With all those things in your favour, surely... You just give it absolutely everything, as Sigurdsson did two years ago. But we haven't really seen that. It's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, do you know what, though? He'd probably be in the team on Saturday, score a couple of goals and make us all look stupid. That's the way it goes. Isn't Perfect. It? Things, can, things can change so quickly, can't they, in footy, uh, for sure. But yeah, we are out of time this week. Uh, cheers to Adam. Cheers to Mike. Cheers to Dave as well. Of course, we'll be back with the instant match reaction from that Burnley game on Saturday. Also out of the moment, got the kick about. That went out just before as well. That was Rob and Mark Mosey. Dave, Dave's just so impatient. He's got off already. Can't be doing with these, these pleasant goodbyes. Uh, last one to arrive. First one to get off. Uh, terrible, terrible behaviour. David Wobie, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. He's have to write an angry Twitter post about not being in the correct position on the call or something like that. <laughs> uh, but cheers to Ad and Mike for staying for the duration. Cheers to you for listening or watching for the duration as well. If you want more from us as ever, we would encourage you to come and join us on Patreon on the Blue Room Extra. It's patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. Adam's dog is all for it, as you can hear there in the background. He he is a subscriber. He, he gets the multiple Everton shows every single weekday, building up to and looking back at all of our football matches. So be like Ad's dog. Come and get involved with us there. Uh, if not, we will speak to you after that game against Burnley on Saturday up the top of Progressive presents, don't do it yourself. Okay, simple enough. Just got to get in there with my screwdriver. Do you mind handing me my screwdriver? Are you trying to say screwdriver? Well, I mean, you're saying it weird, but yeah, sure. Look, maybe we should bundle our home and auto with Progressive. We could save big and pay someone to install this for us so you don't have to pretend you can. (laughs) I know my way around a screwdriver. Oh, yeah. This is going to take a Philippe's head for sure. Save when bundling home and auto with Progressive and use the money to, you know, not... Do it yourself. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.